Welcome to Make It Simple, where we take complicated issues and with the help of an expert, we break them down into ideas we can understand, truths we can apply, and questions worth pondering. I'm your host, Matt Popovitz, and with me is my co-host, Rachel Ryder. Rachel, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Matt. You know, we've made it through Thanksgiving. We're coming up on Christmas. This is my sweet spot. Yeah, are you? You're big into the holidays, right? I am. I love it. I do. I don't think like that what, surprises anybody. Well, no, it certainly doesn't surprise me who knows you really well. But like, so, so like, what's what's the thing that you guys are doing as a family right now that you really like? You're really getting into that you're really enjoying. You know, we're really trying trying to keep it simple, but like, we just take a few minutes and we do an advent calendar. We have one that's like. Nice. Jesus focused and we have one that is Lego focused. So <laughs> those are two things that connect our family. And so we do both of those in the morning and just trying to really like, it doesn't have to be big. We can do small lights. We can, uh, I, I just like the, just the feel and the air of it all. Yeah. Yeah. You, you so. mentioned advent calendar last year. We found the coolest advent calendar. You, you know me, I'm, I'm a big fan of back to the future. And there was actually uh-huh. a back to the future advent calendar that my family found and we did. And Fine. I hate to say it, but like, you know, even as, as a, as a pastor, like my family should take way more pride in like doing the, like the Jesus focused <laughs> advent calendar. Right. But we, we really, really, really enjoyed the back to the future advent calendar. So, but you so know, I'm just saying, I'm just based on uh, who we're talking to today. And I would say, I think it's the simple, small things that actually can be super impactful. So yeah. Uh, look at you with the good segue. Uh, look at that. Yeah. So, 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 well then tell us like, what, what are we talking about today, Rachel? Okay. We're talking with John Tyson about intentional fatherhood. That's right. That's right. We're talking to pastor and author John Tyson. He's a pastor and church planter in New York City. He's originally from Australia. He moved to the U.S. about 20 years ago and for the last 15 years has been living and working in and around Manhattan with his family, where he's the lead pastor of Church of the City, New York. He's written a number of books, but his latest book is called The Intentional Father, where he talks about being a father who makes a profound impact in the life of his son. And I'll just have to say, like, full disclosure, I know John well from my time in New York City. I've mm-hmm. I've watched him um, in uh, as a pastor, but also as a, as a parent, kind of from afar. And uh, he, he lives out what he talks about in this book. And that makes me that much more excited for this conversation, because I know it comes from real experience in, in from his own life with with his son Nate. Uh, John John's a great pastor and he's a great parent, and so I, I'm certain he's got great insights not only in this book but in this conversation we're about to have. Well, Rachel, excellent. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, yeah. so anything in particular that as we jump into this conversation that you that you are looking forward to in this in this chat about fatherhood, but really just intentional parenting overall. Sure. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, I'm obviously not a father, but um, I'm highly invested in. Um, you know, my husband being a good father and us being good parents. And so I'm interested to hear that perspective. Um, and and just to see like, what, what can we do? And I've been on my own journey this year and really being intentional with my parenting. So again, like, it's like lifeblood to me, like, what can I do to just, um, gosh, intentional is such a good word. Just really Mm -hmm. uh, putting the effort and purpose into what you're doing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because, you know, I've got two kids. My mm-hmm. daughter, Ava, is 16, going on 35. Like, I can feel the, <laughs> the I can feel the time slipping out of our hands really, really, yeah. really fast. And, sure. and so the, the notion of how do I make the most of these these last few years that I have with her under our roof, um, where, where I have a level of influence over her that I'm, that I'm not going to have in years to come, like, how do right. I make the most of that? 
And I know John's, you know, John's book is primarily about fathers with sons, but but this has application to 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 parents with kids in general. And so um so so I'm really looking forward to to any insights he can give give me about how to make the most of the years that I've got left with uh, with Ava under my roof. Absolutely, great. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's waste no time. Let's jump into it. It's a conversation about intentional fatherhood with John Tyson. So John Tyson, thanks for joining me. Thanks for being with us today to talk fatherhood. Mate, what a joy. Thank you for having me on the show. All right. So so tell me a bit about the journey that you've gone on with your kids that inspired you to write the book Intentional Father. So it, it actually goes back before I had my son. Um, I was a youth pastor and I was watching how formation happened with different Christian groups and came across how the Mormons raised their young people and realized, oh my gosh, this is so much more robust and intentional than how we do it. And I was an evangelical youth pastor at the time. So it made me determine when I have my son, I feel like I have to sort of design some kind of process that I'm unfamiliar with, that I'm sure other times and places in history have done. And I have to sort of like break a generational um curse or build a bridge or something. I've got to do something I never received and I don't really know anyone who has received this. So I did a bunch of research and and basically realized all societies, bar late modern society, has had a formal sort of six-step shared process of how they walk young people from adolescence into adulthood. And so I basically did the research on that, built that out, and then took my son through it for six years. So from when he turned 13 until he was 19, we went to this conscious, clear, intentional pathway to walking from adolescence into manhood. It involved daily stuff, monthly stuff, big challenges, wild trips. It closed with us hiking 500 miles across Spain after he did the gap year um, to, to do the Camino de Santiago together and ended with a big blessing ceremony after he'd been through everything. So, yeah, it was a deeply, deeply uh, – it was an attempt to – bring the best of other cultures absent in our culture into the life of my son. And while I was doing it, I had a lot of other folks like, hey, man, i got a teenage boy. I'm sort of like struggling here. I've read a few books, but it feels like there's massive holes in what they're offering. Can you put some thoughts together? And that's ultimately what it resulted in being a resource. And, and of course, you, you look on this process really fondly, and I'm going to assume that your son, Nate, does as well. He does indeed. I mean, if uh, he's done one or two little convos about it like hey what did you get out of it and and um you know he he said something to me the other day he's he's gone back to school now but when we were together he said this to me we're talking about childhood memories what are some of your favorite childhood memories and we were going through all the apartments in new york city that we'd lived in and you know like hey what what stood out to you at that time and what stood out to you at that time and then he, he stopped and he said this to me he said hey dad i just want you to know that you're a good dad when I go back into my life and I look at all the memories I know kids are supposed to have, I have every one of them because of your intentionality. Thank you. Mm. And I was like, oh, gosh, man. I mean, that's what else can you hope for to come out of the mouth of your son? That was unprompted. It was just his reflection like, mm. hey, Dad, I know something was meant to happen and it happened. Thanks mm. for being intentional with it, you know. As you looked at you know these these other processes that have existed in, in, in other cultures that you tried to kind of bring together to create this process of being you know an intentional father, um, you know obviously one of the goals is 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 hopefully to to have the response that that your son did to that process that he sees mm. it positively and he looks back at you and says yeah you were a good dad you hit the mark, but but 
but apart from that, what was what was the outcome you were aiming for? What 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 were you looking for in your your when all this was done? What was the aim for for your son? I think I wanted my son to feel loved and understood, and I wanted him to be prepared to face reality. Hmm. You know, the teenage years are very very confusing. They're a lot more confusing than when I grew up. Um, you know, you've got all of these bizarre energies that sort of hijack you. Sexual energy, relational energy, vocational energy, all of this stuff is sort of like, where did this come from? It's taken over my life. And that, that can be very confusing times. You know, you're still, your, your brain is literally still developing. You're trying to figure out how to navigate, um, you know, romantic relationships, school relationships, power dynamics, accomplishments. And it can be a time where a lot of folks just feel misunderstood. I wanted my son to feel understood. Like, I get it, man. It's hard. It's okay. You're going to get through this. I wanted my son to feel loved, which is like you're wanted, you matter. I see you. I care for you. And I wanted him to be ready to move into the world with a sense of confidence. Like, I can do this. Like, let me help with that. I can do this. I know how to do this. So that was that was my goal. I wanted him to be able to look back and be grateful and feel loved and look forward and go, okay, I think I've got what it takes to be able to navigate the complexities of early adulthood. So, so why why intentional fatherhood and not just intentional parenting? What's what's the unique gift that a father brings to their to their child? Well, I I believe in intentional parenting. The, the short answer is like I was a dad with a son, and right. that was the task in front of me. I've yeah. got a, something else I did with my daughter. She's in college as well now. Uh, I called that fifty pieces of my heart, fifty key deposits every dad needs to make in his daughter's life. So I did a whole different process with her that it was similar. I guess I could have bundled them together into generic principles, but I feel like that's what's actually wrong Mm. with so much of our parenting is it's generic principles. Mm. And like, I think people in order to feel loved and seen and understood, you have to enter into who a kid is particularly and gender and sexuality make very distinct differences in adolescent formation. And so you have to be able to speak into these things. Like there's nothing more demoralizing for a young man to say, hey, what I'm about to teach you applies equally to your sister, but don't worry, it's great. He's going <laughs> to like just demotivate him, you know, and particularly, right. I mean, it started when he was 13. You're yeah. going to demotivate him. And so I wanted to like have something that felt specific and necessary. I think that particularly during adolescent years that a lot of very, very good formation happens with same gender relationships. Like there's just a need to be understood. There's just a sense of like, hey, I've been through what you've been through. So you can be vulnerable. You can open your heart. You can share your struggles because I know what it's like to have gone through this. Yeah. If you put, if, you know, if he was in a room with a bunch of teenage girls, he'd probably be like preening a little bit, defensive. He certainly wouldn't share his weaknesses or his deepest struggles. Yeah. And so to really get the heart, I think there was something about me as a dad speaking to my son directly. Mm-hmm. This larger sort of like, I think, maybe even theological reasons, there's biblical reasons, like there's biblical commands to raise your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So, yeah, it it was the task in front of me, biblical, personal, cultural. I try to lean into it. So, yeah, mothers, obviously, I mean, I I love mothers. Mothers are vitally important. But I would say we don't have a crisis of motherhood as much as we have a crisis of fatherhood in our culture. Yeah. Well, well, let's let's talk about that because in your book, you, you partnered with Barna, for some 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 really fascinating research, and what, what did they find about this the state of fatherhood in the world right now, and why this this process uh, processes like this, or, or really just fathers in general, are essential for sons? 
Well, I, one of the big things they found is like half of all fathers don't feel equipped. Hmm. So there's two ways you can read it. Like, hey, 50% of dads are doing fine. And, you know, like most men probably answer their surveys a touch overconfident anyway. You know, no, I'm killing this area of my life. Everything's great. Um, but for half of them to admit like, hey, I've got work to do here. Yeah. It's like, you know, if there was any other issue in a church where half the people struggled with the issue, yeah. we'd really address it. We'd really address it. And um, and then uh, I think some of the interesting things when you read the Barnard research is the write-in comments. So it's not the stats or the graphs or the data. It's like, what did people say? And, man, you can read some of the wounds that mm. people have because of their fathers, very, very deep wounds. And then you read some of the empowerment, like the, the soul-stirring generational acceleration and blessing that comes from a dad who gets it right. So, yeah, I think the big takeaway is this, the stakes are high and there's a huge need. Yeah. You know, in, in your book, you talk about five different types of, of fathers everywhere, everything from irresponsible fathers to, to intentional fathers, which is the title of the book. And, 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 and you, you make the case, and the research seems to back it up, that you know, uh, an, an irresponsible father can leave wounds like no other. But on the flip side, an, an intentional father can empower like no other, uh, but but talking about that wound piece for a second, you know, what what are some of the 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 wounds that that we can carry uh, from our relationships with with moms and dads that then that then influence how we how we parent because we we, we can only use the, the blueprint that we're given right or wrong yeah. right that's where we all start yeah. from. So what are some of the yeah. wounds we carry and how do they affect our parenting poorly? Oh, I mean, Jung basically says when he talks about you know childhood psychology. There's probably three. So the greatest burden any child have has is the unlived life of the parents. Mm. So like you see this a lot in New York and you probably see it in Texas in yeah. high school sport pressure. You know what I mean? Like on the and, and academics, but there's that kind of parent who's trying to relive and improve their life through their kid, mm. keeping on expectations, projecting into them. Not asking the question, who is this kid and who do I want him to be? So I think that is one of the big wounds. But what Jung's main idea is that childhood wounds come in two forms. You're not nourished properly. Like you're, you're not literally cared for properly. So you have huge, huge um, deficits when it comes to relational connection. Or you're not protected properly, which means you develop fear and control instincts because your parents didn't create an environment of safety and protection. Mm. So if you, you think about this as like people are not nurtured properly and people are not felt safe, well, you develop like coping mechanisms and profound systems to sort of like either medicate that disconnection. And so that can that can happen with either, you know, redoing dis, you know, um, sort of loose attachments, redoing being emotionally unavailable, redoing sort of distance, fear of intimacy, or overcompensating, which means you become codependent, you're hyper-dependent. So the nurture piece is very important, or you become a control freak, which is basically trying to keep yourself safe. You perceive everything as a threat. Mm. And so you don't have a generous or open posture to life. Everything is fear management. And so if we get that from our parents when we're young, that will often show up in how we build our lives. And we will have built very, very complex coping structures and mechanisms. And our kids just slot into those mechanisms. So I, I actually advocate almost 20% of the book plus is about you making sense of what you've been through so that you can take the good parts and intentionally bring that into the life of your kids 
and then consciously blocking and removing those broken parts so they don't float, fly down by default. But you absolutely hit the nail on the head, man. Childhood formation is imp impacting us way, way more than we're aware of. I want to make that conscious and unmask it so we can come mm -hmm. to terms with it and then you know do the right thing with it. Yeah. Uh, on the on the positive side of the of the spectrum in, in terms of looking at dads, you talk about involved fathers, and then and then more the ideal being that that intentional father. Uh, there, there may be a, a good number of guys listening who are like, you know, I'm a I'm a pretty good dad. Like I'm I'm probably that involved father. Like my wife gives me praise, my kids seem to love me. I'm I'm at all the games. I know what's going on in their life. I'm an involved mm -hmm. father. Talk to me about the difference between being an involved good dad and and being being an intentional father. What's what's that gap and how do we bridge it? Well, I just want to say if you're an involved dad, I'm in standing ovation. It's it's the minority of fathers. Yeah. So, you know, having the sex talk, teaching your kids to drive, navigating bullying, giving them a sense of identity, these, these are powerful things. And I really, really honor dads who have done the work to be present like that in their kids' lives. You know, I, I, I can give you a story from my own life that I think illustrates the difference. Involved dads do general wisdom and worldview really well. Mm. Hey, here's how life works. Hey, here's the big things you need to get right. And Here's who God is and how faith sort of works. That's what an involved dad does. And if you get like a general sense of how life works and who God is and like, man, you're going to be doing better than the majority of people in the world today. But an involved dad goes one step further. He asks the question, how do I win my kid's heart? Hmm. And who has God made this person to be? And that's going to require intimacy and specialization. It's going to go beyond general wisdom and worldview into specific calling and challenges. Mm. So the example, um, you know, I've always in my life had some sort of leadership influence. I'm a pretty strong personality. I'm pretty driven. I've always been an upfront kind of person. So when I was young and I was pretty gifted. So when I was young, I did well academically. I did well in terms of sports. And my dad would always say to me, don't be proud. Don't be proud. Don't get a big head. Don't become arrogant. Now, the truth is behind that gifting was like a bizarre sense of insecurity. I still to this day am a reluctant leader, which means I'm the guy you have to drag to the stage, not the guy you have to fight to get the mic from. I'm very, very happy to let other people lead and empower others. And so if my dad knew that I was primarily struggling with insecurity and not pride, he wouldn't have said all the time, don't be proud, don't be proud, don't be proud. He would have said, go for it, step up, have courage, take heart, lean in. Mm. So general wisdom was like accomplishments make you arrogance, arrogant and God's opposed to the proud. But if he really knew, he would have said like, he would have given me those Joshua into the promise and take heart, be strong and very courageous. God is with you wherever you go. So I think just that's the difference. My dad wasn't involved, dad, but the difference between winning my heart and understanding mm -hmm. the dynamics. And then that has impacted me. It's produced a hesitancy, an unintentional hesitancy in my life that I've wrestled with for 25 years. Hmm. Well, I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to be prideful. I don't want it to be about me. And so I've underled at times um, because of like a few potent comments that were, that were true in general, but not customized to what was happening in my heart. And I don't say that to shame my father. Hmm. My dad did so much better than his dad did. But it's just an example of that you close the gap by finding out who your kid is, what he's wrestling with, what his unique struggles are, and then 
how do you bring specific customized wisdom and insight? Mm. I guess, you know, maybe like on a, on a practical level, it would be the difference between I downloaded a workout program from the internet that is absolutely true about nutrition and fitness and having a customized trainer who walks with you and sees your body in motion and then specifically design things to maximize your potential. Health is good. That a customized training will help you become what general fitness will never enable you to be. Yeah. So the, you know, there's there's an importance to to just I mean to try and say it as simply as possible, remaining curious about your kids and just trying to get get into their heart and mind and, and figure out what they're wrestling with, what they're struggling with, what they're thinking about. Um, and then I love what you said. It's it's also a specialization of your wisdom and of your your activity toward them. Uh, specializing it for them, um, John. There, there's probably somebody listening who who is saying, "Man, I would love to do this, but but uh, I, I got zero I got zero bandwidth for it. I'm I'm barely like showing up to all the things I'm supposed to be be at as a as a parent as a, as a spouse um, and in, in my other vocations. Uh, what, what do you say to the to the father who's like, uh, "Sounds great, John. I'm glad you got to do that with your kid. Uh, I." I I've got all these things fighting against me that that seem like it make it makes it impossible for me to be a more intentional father. Well, I mean, I have two things: I have a hard thing and I have a kind thing. They're both true. The hard thing is this: if you're too busy to raise your son, you're too busy. Mm. You've got a problem that is bigger than your parenting. You've got a problem called you're living the wrong life. Mm. And you probably have to go deep into the the structure, rhythms, habits, and values of your whole life. Mm-hmm. So if it's like, hey, look, I just don't have time to help my son navigate the complexities. Well, then you are consciously choosing to sow brokenness into a future that you will have to deal with later. Yeah. It's like I, I like I wish I could soften it, but look at the brokenness of our world today. Look at the despair, suicide, depression, anxiety amongst this current generation. We are at epidemic levels of depression and anxiety with our current generation. So, you know, in some sense, you don't have the luxury of just being really busy in the middle of a crisis. On the other side, I will say, it probably doesn't take as much as you think. Mm. It's not called the super stressed out, overworked dad. It's called the intentional dad. And so this means that when you move towards them on purpose, when you're asking questions instead of tuning out, when you put your phone down and you lean in and listen, you never know what doors will open for influence and understanding. You know, I did do some cool big things with my son. I did do some cool things. I wanted to. It's my personality. It's who my son was. We did some epic stuff. But when I ask him, he's 21 now, when I ask him, like, what's the stuff you remember the most? It really surprises me. It was a few conversations that didn't seem big to me that were like divinely timed and they happened because I was available. And so I guess I would just say move towards your kids with intentionality. You never know what God will do. So again, I, I remember, and it could be as simple as like listening, paying attention to repeated phrases, um, the tone of a voice, how many times they mention a particular friend or class. These things, they're giving you information about the cry of their heart. And I remember the Stephen Covey um, quote. He said, a man came up to him very, very frustrated, and he said, I don't, un- I don't understand my son. He won't listen to me. And Stephen Covey said, say that again. I don't understand my son. He won't listen to me. He said, say that again. I don't understand my son. He won't listen to me. And Covey says, stop right there. In order to understand someone, you have to listen to them. 
And to me, that is the key. It's how do we create space to hear the cries of our kids' hearts. So, yeah, move towards them with intentionality and see if God doesn't open up doors. And I think that could really, it could really change family dynamics. How, how powerful of a force is, um, is guilt in the heart of, of fathers? Um, I mean, in, in, in your own life and, and certainly in, in working on this book and conversation with other dads, do a lot of dads wrestle with, with guilt over the, the father they know they should be and, and, and they know they're not? Well, I, so I actually don't – I think people wrestle with shame more than they wrestle with guilt. So, you know, if guilt is like I've done something wrong or I haven't done something, shame is more about there's something wrong with me. And I think there's a lot of dads who feel like like I just – there's something fundamentally wrong with me as a father. I don't know how to do this. Like I, I – this wasn't done for me. I'm inadequate. So it's not even like it's behaviorally oriented. It's heart oriented. It's just like I don't know how to do this. So – um, I think, you know, one of the big things that is connected to that is to be able to say, hey, man, you, that, that's, again, why I'm advocating. A big chunk of the book is doing the work on yourself. Yeah. And that's what kids are. If having a kid doesn't put the fear of God in you, nothing will. And if you don't see children as like the greatest opportunity of formation in your relationship with God to help fill in the gaps and deal with some of your pain, that's why I think God's designed it. Kids are a gift to us because they make make us wrestle with our own story. So it does on some big archetypal level make us go, who is my father? Who am I as a child? Have I received divine love in such a way that I truly believe my shame is gone? Mm-hmm. It says in the book of Psalms, those who look to him are radiant. They'll never be put to shame. And it's like, is my eyes on my failure, my mistakes, my inadequacies, Whereas my eyes on him, because that's where my face is lifted and glory comes through my life. So it is a dominating factor. Again, I'm not advocating for try harder, do more. I'm advocating for intentionality, which is a completely different framework. Because if your heart's not right, spending more time with your kid because you quote unquote have to or should will not be that enjoyable for you or them. Mm. Kids smell obligation a mile away. Hmm. And so, you know, it's like, let God do the work of healing in your heart. Enjoy the time you have with them and keep pressing into fullness in your relationship with God. Use it as an opportunity for formation and deepening your relationship with God. So, so there's a centrality of the gospel for fathers in, in all of this, that, that is going to make their, their own movement towards their kids that, yeah. you know, that, that much healthier as what I hear you saying. Hmm. Yes, no, that's exactly it. Yeah. And again, kids are one of the gifts of children is they confront this in us. Mm-hmm. Your children, like people say, like getting married will make you holy. I'm like, let me tell you what you make will make you holy, parenting. <laughs> that's right. Your, sp- your spouse will love you and accept you. But when you see, like there was one time, um, there was one time, you know, I, I be- became a Christian in Australia when I was a teenager and I worked in a meat factory. Meat factories are environments where foul language is like, it's so normal. And so I came out of that with some unsanctified speech. And one day when my daughter was like, she was one and a half, maybe she had high heels on and a diaper and a purse. And she walked through our living room singing a swear word she'd heard in a song that she'd heard me say and turned it into a Disney song. 
<laughs> and my wife looked at me and said, she got that from you. And I was like, I get it. And I changed my speech because I saw in my daughter as a child the brokenness I hadn't dealt with. So I think that's the gift that kids give us, the opportunity to really grow and lean into our relationship with God. It's an opportunity for us to lean into our relationship with God. And, and yet, you know, my sense is that uh, a child's relationship with, with their parent and perhaps even particularly their father forms their conception of God. So, so talk to me a, a little bit about, about that. I mean, what role does uh, a father in particular play in forming their child's understanding of who God is? Well, it's obviously profound. It's, it's obviously profound. We, I, I think, wired into the grain of the human soul is a desire for intimacy with someone who blesses us and empowers us. There's something in our spirits that, that we need to hear at a fundamental, almost DNA level, you were loved and you can do this. Mm. And ultimately, that is a, of divine origin. We're made in the image of God. We're very good. And we are entrusted with dominion and a vision to make something beautiful of creation. And the gospel is saying to us in Jesus, you're not only very good, you're being renewed in the image of the creator and that you will rule and reign as kings and priests in a new heaven and a new earth. You know, it says to him who loved us and by his blood has freed us and will make us to rule as kings and priests. That's our destiny. And so, our earthly fathers should be those who are giving us, who are echoing the divine affirmation and raising us up to our full potential. And so we get our view of God based on how well we sort of live these roles out. And again, maybe the greatest gift we can give to our kids in being a father is to say, no matter how well I do, there is somebody you must know who is your true father, who is infinitely better than I. I, I would say to my kids going up, on my best day, on my most intentional day, I am a mist and a shadow of the great love that is your heavenly father. Mm -hmm. Yet he can give you more than I ever could. And look at how much I want to give this to you. He is order of magnitude, more kind and gracious and loving and present in your life. So primary, the biggest role a dad does is connect his children to the heavenly father. You know? We've we, we talked about some of the the things inside of, of a father that can get in the way of them being as intentional as they possibly can be. What are some of the, the, the forces all around us and outside of us that, that are making it more difficult just for families to be families, but in particular for, for, for dads to be the kind of dads that they need to be? Well, uh, honestly, mate, it's uh, th there's many factors and it's a complex web because if it was one thing we'd all just do it and everything would be better yeah but i i would i would put it under the heading invasive technology yeah invasive technologies are just like are, are making it almost impossible on, on several levels number one it's rewiring our brains like you know nicholas carr's book the shallows like it's literally reducing our attention spans and capacity to to pay attention to be present Number two, the, you know, the omnipresence of devices with alerts. If it's not your computer, it's your iPad. If it's not your iPad, if it's your phone. If it's not your phone, it's your watch. If it's not your watch, it's Alexa. 
Everywhere you go, you're being intruded on. We would never tolerate a world where some stranger knocked on the door, came in and yelled out something. Can you imagine like someone right now knocks on your door and just comes in and says, Joe Biden has just made an announcement about the economy and walks out. You'll be like, close the door. I'm trying to get something done. Yet we all consciously enable that in every area of our life. Like I, I walked around um, yesterday, the city of New York, you know, photography is like one of my hobbies, just try and, you know, see the individual in the midst of the city. And it was very hard to do street photography because all street photography is, is a picture of people on the street looking at their phones. Mm. It's like, it's hard work to get a photo of someone who's not looking at a phone these days. So, yeah, that complex web and then therefore that is speeding up our communication. It's drawing our kids to a, like a collected web of relationships outside of the home. So, like they're always being drawn out of a relationship with their family. It's impacting our capacity to travel. It's hyper-scheduling. All of these things produce a web where the idea of like being still and sitting with one another is kind of like, oh, that's quaint. That just doesn't work in real life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, hey, hyper-connected technology is not real life mm -hmm. it's a yeah. it's a life that we've allowed to happen to us so again intentionality intentionality which is like the big thing is like default or design on purpose or by accident you know somebody's going to shape your family culture yeah. why not the way you want somebody's going to choose your schedule why not build it around your values somebody's going to raise your child why not you with your love I think the way we move back from that is not shaking our hands in resignation. It's putting up boundaries and say, I'm pushing back based with these based on these intentional vision of values. And it's very, 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 very small things can make a massive difference. And on a very practical level, iOS 15, if I'm assuming, you know, an Apple bias here, but iOS 15 um, has staggering new focus capacities where even the alerts are shielded so when you look at your phone, you don't even see that you've got a text message. Like that to me is breakthrough technology for, for our actual quality of life. And then you can set it up where your kids can get through to you. So you can you can customize it if you're worried about not being able to reach your kids. So yeah, I think it's that complex web of invasive technologies that create a culture that feels like you're Amish if you don't go with it. But let me tell you, the second you get out of it, everybody will be like, help me. You know, yeah. they all hate it too. Yeah. So I think a lot. I think a lot of dads, you know, they'll hear, for example, what you just said about technology, and they'll say, it's, "Yeah, I, 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 I feel it. You know, technology is invading every aspect of our lives and hijacking it, and it's discipling me and my family, not not me discipling me and my family, right? Um, and, and yet, you know." Uh, getting a handle on the tech piece can feel just like impossible because they first have to get a handle on it for themselves and then try to maybe impose something on their, on their kids. Um, uh, or, and I, and I think at least maybe I'm just speaking for myself. A lot of times what gets in the way is this sense of hypocrisy in myself of like, how can I, how can I try and instill something in my child, in my son that, that I'm that I'm just so so deeply struggling with and profoundly imperfect uh, on in my own life. Um, what what do you say to the to the dad for whom hypocrisy gets in the way of getting going with intention intentional fatherhood? Well, I always think, I think you know, number one, just be ruthlessly honest with with who you are. Like you know, pretending you're doing off better off than you thought isn't helping. 
So I, I always think about Dallas Willard's, you know, like vision, intention, and means. This is how change really happens. Like you got to have a burning yes. Without vision, the people perish. Or as it says in the King James, the cast off restraint. You stop restraining without vision. So it's very, very important to ask the question, what sort of relationships and quality of life do I want? And you get to hold yeah. that in front of you. It was like a burning vision. It's like I refuse to have a shallow, lukewarm, mediocre, obligation-based marriage. Mm-hmm. I refuse to have kids who won't pay attention to me, who are looking at their phones during breakfast, who make no eye contact and who are gone every night for sports. Like I want a vision of a family that lasts together, that's vulnerable with one another, that's filled with rich traditions, that has a healthy ecosystem of life that people step into and say, what is this counterculture of joy and acceptance? And so to me, you've got to get the vision of it. Then you've got to have intention, which is cultivating the will. And so you've got it. You've got to strengthen your capacity to say yes. In many ways, that's a lot about sort of like our, our habits and our resolve. And it's like that's when you begin to sort of restructure things. And then the means is like I think a lot of times about those boundaries. And so if if you feel like a hypocrite because you've tried and you can't, the answer is this: you can't. Then so do something mm-hmm. different. Get out of the cycle of failure, which is like I tried and I can't. Use I, I, I use this all the time. It's like vision, intention, means. Like keeping the burning yes in front of you helps yeah. you say a thousand no's. Yeah. Really asking the question, why does this matter? And sitting with the rewards and the consequences of not doing this. And then coming up with small practical things that move towards this. Look, you don't have to be a Luddite. You don't have to be Amish. You can just say, which is what my family did. We did a phone stack during our meals. Everybody's phone goes in a stack and nobody's allowed to pick it up. And we would not have a single interruption during this conversation. Mm -hmm. And that may not seem like a loud thing, except now I have adult children and we go out to dinner. They still say, stack your phone, dad, stack your phone. It's still in their lives. They do it with their friends. So small things like that, I think, you know, like the cycle of hypocrisy is like try harder, get tired quit feel guilty and then hear a talk and then try harder like you got to re-examine the paradigm yeah yeah re-examine the paradigm so, so so we'll end with this you know you've you've mentioned multiple times in this conversation that uh the the power of a father is the ability to speak blessing and empowerment mm-hmm. into the lives of of, of of his kids so so to the, the the fathers who are listening right now who who could use some blessing and some empowerment from a dad who's been there, who's been there and written a book, <laughs> written a book on it. Um, what, what, what would you, what would you say to them real quick as we close to bless them and empower them in this vocation? I would say, do, do not let the enemy, do not let the enemy rob you of thinking that you can't do this, that your kids don't want this and that this is impossible for you. You are destined by God to be an intentional father. You're destined by God. And if you ask the Holy Spirit, help me, that willpower is not going to get you through. It's got to be the help of the Holy Spirit. And I would just say, like, offer yourself to God in fresh surrender. Be honest with who you are. And then do what you can, not what you can't. Sometimes people say to me, like, I could never do that. And I'm like, well, then don't try then because that'll kill you. What can you do? Do that. It's the same principle with prayer. Pray what's in you, not what ought to be in you, says C.S. Lewis. Authentic prayer is what we really feel towards God. It's the same thing I would say, like, 
do what you can. If you can't do an hour a month, do 10 minutes a month. And you'll be amazed how those small seeds of faithfulness change your generation, change your kid's heart, and you will gain confidence over the course of time by those small, potent acts of consistency and intentionality. So you renounce the lies, receive the Father's love, and move forward in humility. God will meet you here and change is possible. John, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us today. And thanks so much for sharing your journey in fatherhood with all of us. What a joy. Thanks so much, mate. Okay, Rachel, what, what, uh, what sticks with you from this conversation about fatherhood? You know, if I was, uh, I think the thing right off the jump, he says, you know, we want our children to feel loved and understood. And I yeah. think there's this idea I've been on this, this journey of learning. Like, I think there's this idea, especially in like, uh, faith circles that like, we're mm-hmm. supposed to discipline our kids. It is all about the discipline. And I just don't think that's the primary like yeah. I've really, I, I've really reconsidered that that to make somebody, especially your children, feel loved and understood. How powerful is that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and I also appreciate the the amount of of, of grace that John uh, gives to, oh, to parents in in this conversation because you know one of the things I, I tried to bring up in the in the chat with him is like you know the last thing that so many parents need is more pressure to be a better parent like mm-hmm. do more try harder and 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 he really takes a lot of that pressure off and 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 reminds us that parenting is a is a is something we get to do it's it's not uh, it's it's not a it's not a pressure it can feel pressure packed but 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 really what what he's talking about is 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 a pre Appreciate the fact that you you get to have this influence over your kids that that it's a joyful thing that it flows mm-hmm. from the blessing of being a parent um, and that you know ultimately our kids are in the Lord's hands and and we get to to nurture and encourage and add intentionality into that relationship in a way that that hopefully really blesses them and and so so I appreciate that he tries to frame it as as a joyful thing we get to do rather than than yet more pressure to be an even better even more perfect even more impactful parent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, his, him saying just, you don't have to try harder or do more. It's about small moments and it's about listening and really being curious. I mean, how much freedom that can bring for you. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Uh, You, you touched on something, you know, he talked about a lot of people will look back at their childhood and have to deal with, um, their own story and what they've been through. And a lot of times you grow up either not feeling nourished or not feeling safe. And man, that hit home with me. Like I could definitely see, um, the the impact in uh in mine and my husband's life now and how we parent in reaction to how we were parented and you yeah. have to be honest about that you have to work through that yeah yeah and and same you know when he said we said that i instantly reflected on my childhood and mm-hmm. and and I, I i have great parents and i feel like i had a uh, have a really good dad but but even even with the best of parents you're, you're gonna mm-hmm. look back and you're gonna see how you were shaped by their their mistakes and their struggles as much as their their uh their successes and their wins, you know, as a parent. Yeah. And, and I think what I want to try and do is, is, is understand that my kids are going to look back on my time with me as a dad and they're going to, they're going to find wounds and scars and hurts uh, because I'm a, I'm a profoundly imperfect parent always will be, but I want to try and minimize those as much as I can <laughs> and make right. sure that they also look back on, on moments of, of great, uh, great love and great thoughtfulness and great in, intentionality that shaped them for the better as well. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let me ask you for yeah. people who haven't read the book, you yeah. both discuss, which I have not, you both discuss the five yeah. different types of fathers, but you really didn't go into that. Do you want to oh, yeah. run through those real quick? 
for us? Yeah, sure. Sure, sure. So so first of all, I, I really just want to recommend John's book. It's really it's really quite okay. well done. And I think we mentioned in the conversation that it's also filled with insights from on uh, on fatherhood from the Barna uh, research group. So so it's 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 really packed with great information. Uh, but John in the book he talks about five different types of fathers. Um, uh, the first is an irresponsible father. Uh, the second is ignorant fathers. Third is inconsistent fathers. The fourth is involved fathers. And the fifth is that intentional father, which he he sets up as the ideal in the book. Mm-hmm. And 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 one of the things again, I appreciate that John talked about. He you know he said if if you're an involved father, like give yourself credit, you're you're already a great 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 dad. You know there is probably another level of intentionality that you can you can add into your parenting. But if you're 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 really involved, dad, you're there for the big moments. You're you're trying to add meaning and purpose into everyday life with your kids like you're a great you're a great parent and show yourself some grace um and uh and i think that's where that's where a lot of dads live they're 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 pretty involved or they're uh or you know sometimes they're kind of inconsistent but but john does a good job of saying look if you're if you're a three or a four leaning towards a five you're 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 a good dad give yourself (laughs) give yourself some credit there but those are the five it ranges from irresponsible to ignorant to inconsistent to involved to intentional and and if you're really looking to just add some thoughtfulness and some purpose to the things you do with your kids to, to, to move closer towards being a parent with intentionality. I, I, I can't suggest John's book enough. It's really, really great. That's great. So somebody comes to you or yeah. just your own self, you're, you're thinking, what can I do today to be yeah. a more intentional, we'll say parent, because I know yeah, that there yeah. are moms and dads that listen. So yeah, what, yeah. what do you, what do you walk away with? What do you, based on this conversation? Well, you know, so so again, being a being a preacher, I always bring it back to the gospel, and so I think you know that that the answer is going to be us trying to reflect in the lives of our kids what God does for us in Christ. And so, what do I see God doing that makes Him a good father? I I see Him drawing close, I see Him listening, and I see Him adding meaning and purpose into everyday life. That's what God does for us, among many other things. And so, if I want to be an intentional parent, I'm going to try and do those same things. I'm going to try and be present. I'm going to try and draw close. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to try and listen, and I'm going to try and add meaning and purpose into the everyday moments of life, like season them with wisdom, season them with love, season them uh, with insight. And uh, that that's what I'm going to try and do. We see God do that for us. And I think if we have uh, an attitude where we're trying to do that for our kids, uh, I think we're going to be pretty intentional and impactful parents. Oh, that's great. You know, uh, you you think about that about how God treats us, and it really is yeah. more about relationship first and behavior second. Right. Absolutely, man. That's yeah, so beautiful. Yeah, if you have if you have if if your children know that you're that that you love them and that you're there for them and you're present with them and that relationship is strong, it's healthy and strong. Um, everything else will flow downhill from that. Uh, you know, you know the 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 behavioral things and and all the other things will will be shaped by the fact that there is there is there is deep love and uh, a feeling of safety and security that uh, is present in that relationship, and that really trumps everything else. That's great, excellent. Yeah. Oh, it was a good yeah. conversation. It was a really it good was. conversation. It was really sweet. He was really enjoyable to listen to. Yeah, John is John is really really wonderful. So. So yeah, so uh, that was a good conversation. We're, we're gonna we're gonna have another one. We're getting towards the end of this season. I think mm-hmm. we've got at least we've got at least one more, right? I don't know. I think we have a special 
episode oh, coming up. Oh, that's right. We've got a special episode coming up. We've got a special episode coming up. All right. That's right. That's right. I won't that's say anymore. I won't say anything else. Uh, right. But stay, t- stay tuned for a special episode as we close out. Get ready to close out season two. Hey, Rachel, thanks for, uh, thanks for hanging out with me today. Yeah, thank you. I loved it. Thanks for helping us make it simple. The show is produced by MPM. Our editor is Marsha Lambeth. Artwork for the show was designed by Brenton Little. Do you have a topic you'd like us to tackle or an expert you'd like us to chat with? Send your ideas to info at mattpopovitz.com. That's info at M-A-T-T-P-O-P-O-V-I-T-S dot com. And if you'd like more information about Make It Simple or MPM, just head to mattpopovitz.com.